Hey, I'm Shamar. And I'm Andrew. We're going to be doing a deep dive on all the connected DC animated movies in their cinematic universe. Yes, I'm here to discuss the interconnected storylines and point out how jacked everybody is. And I'm here to share a deep comic book knowledge like Batman having his own sneaker line. So check out yet another DC animated podcast. Part of the Forgotten Entertainment family and coming soon wherever you listen to your podcast. Hi, I'm Mike. And I'm Dave. And join us every Thursday for a new episode of Two Player Bros, a podcast about two guys who play way too many video games. Join me and Dave as we talk about the latest in Xbox, PlayStation, PC, and VR news, previews, and reviews. We have it all, and we play it all. And join us every other week for Post Game, where we play through and dive deep into our favorite modern classics and new releases. That's Two Player Bros, available every Thursday wherever you get your podcast. part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Hello there, I'm Colleen. I'm Anders. And I'm Daniel. We're three nerds who met through our love of science fiction and fantasy storytelling. Of course, one of our favorites is George Lucas's signature achievement, Star Wars. <laughs> and if there's one thing the internet definitely doesn't have enough of, it's nerds talking about Star Wars. Not by so, a long shot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is fine. <laughs> so here we are with yet another Star Wars podcast, where every week we journey to a galaxy far, far away to discuss one of the films in the current Star Wars canon. We talk about how our relationship with the film has changed over time, how the film builds on what came before it, and forms our understanding of the Force. Finally, we'll provide you with some recommendations for other material you may enjoy if you love these movies. And this week, we are joined once again by a very special guest back again for Bohemian Geek Studies. It's the Queen Aquarius herself, Miss Sarah O'Connor. Hello, hello. <laughs> it is so wonderful to be back and talking about The Last Jedi with you all. Yes. Yeah, this is exciting. <laughs> So as Sarah said, we are going to be looking at 2017's episode eight, The Last Jedi. Uh, this is the third Disney made Star Wars film and the second in their Skywalker sequel trilogy. Uh, so you guys have a good feeling about this or are you with the droid on this one? I've got a great feeling about this, Daniel. <laughs> um, I'm sort of with, as usual, the droids um, on this one, though there are some really incredible moments in the film. So I'm really excited to be talking about it. All right. I mean, this is going to work. It just it just has to. <laughs> and ultimately, it did. I think this movie has divided fans possibly more than any other since it came out. Um, but there's really no arguing with the box office. So let's get right into some tech details. Last Jedi was widely released on December 15th, 2017. It was written and directed by Ryan Johnson on a budget of somewhere between 200 and 317 million dollars i'm not really sure why i couldn't find a more definitive number everywhere i went was some kind of a range it grossed 620.2 million dollars domestic 712.5 million overseas for a total box office gross of 1.33 billion dollars nice not too bad still i mean still a pretty sharp drop off from force awakens which mm -hmm. crossed that 2 billion dollar mark but absolutely nothing to sneeze at and once you factor in like the marketing budget and everything it was estimated this movie was gonna have to gross 800 million in order to break even which is insane oh to me that something needs to make that much money just to break even that's wild <laughs> you don't have a strong opening weekend it's kind of like well i guess Pack it up. yep that's but fine. ultimately it did and it was the most profitable film of that year hell yeah but like I said, this movie is kind of divided fans since it came out. 
Um, what about you guys? Do you like this movie? Has your relationship with it kind of evolved? It's only been four. It hasn't even been four full years mm-hmm. since it came out, which is insane to me. Wild. That's wild. <laughs> I mean, 2020 was like five years on its own, but still. Yeah, everything feels <laughs> way along. It's been 84 years <laughs> since I've seen this movie. Oh, man. Well, I left the theater buzzing. I, I absolutely love this movie. I've continued to find this. It's my favorite of the sequels. Wow. And it's probably my third favorite Star Wars movie after Empire Strikes Back and Rogue One. I will never forget the nervousness I had when I was watching the trailer and Kylo was targeting Leia. In that moment, I was so nervous. And then he offers his hand to Ray in the trailer and everyone's freaking out. They're like, what is going to go on? So the buildup to this movie was was intense. Um, I ended up seeing this in theater five times because it was just so visually stunning. Uh, but I have to point out my favorite time going was I went with one of my best friends and his son who was, oh geez, he was probably like five or six at the time. Um, he was just in awe, like seeing everything that was going on. It seeing him so excited made me excited. Um, and so like, I always have that, that nice memory about it. Um, some of the humor is kind of meh, um, but it's nowhere near enough for it to be a severe detractor. So I love this movie. I have to concur. I love this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I think I saw it two or three times in the theater, um, twice in December alone. It's either my number two or three, depending on the day. It kind of switches places with Rogue One, like whichever one I'm kind of in the mood to watch. It's absolutely beautiful. The shots on Crate, Octo, and Holdo's suicide light speed run in particular are just stunning. That was beautiful. Mm-hmm. I it remember was like being a- in theater and it was like quiet, like ev- no speaking. Everyone was just staring at the screen like, Jaws dropped. What just it was like a graphic novel come to life. Yes, it was definitely a full freaking splash page shot for like a comic. It just oh, so beautiful. I know it doesn't make a lot of sense with the physics and whatnot, but Star Wars has like only a friendly like shoulder pet relationship mm-hmm. with physics. This is fine. We're talking about we're talking about hyperspace. Like right, exactly. <laughs> we don't have to worry about physics. This is not hard science, y'all. We're we're doing fine. I actually had a really difficult time watching this movie when it first came out, but I was really excited to see it. Carrie Fisher had died basically one year before. And I remember vividly where I was when I heard that news. I was working in the back room at Pier 1 doing inventory, and I just started sobbing because I had my Mm -hmm. phone with me and playing music. And luckily, my manager was a huge Star Wars fan, so she came back and was like, what is happening? And I showed her, and she started crying. (laughs) Oh, we just sat back there and cried together while the other poor person was out front alone during the holidays. Um, I remember sitting in the theater the first time, unsure how I'd handle the movie. And when Leia got sucked out of the bridge, I almost had to leave. I was having a really hard time with that. But yeah, then she I almost had to leave like, too. I almost so had to leave too. I was like, all right, put my drink aside, put the popcorn aside. I got to get out of here if she dies. This is not going to work. But then when she opened her eyes, it's just like, Yes, and then she used the force to soar back into the bridge. Like, oh my god! <laughs> and I know some people think the scene is corny, even though Kanan did something similar back in Rebels, which was before this movie. So somebody mm-hmm. else had done it first already. It hit me so hard that she survived. Her handprint on the the window when yeah. she goes back in. I'm like, oh, I'm done. This movie is excellent. <laughs> I'm fine. Everything is good. 
it was just so powerful and she survived she proved basically in that moment that she was just as strong in the force as luke and i'd been waiting for that for a really long time yeah i don't know i don't know whether to say it here or later when we talk about what we hated (laughs) i hated it colleen i am so (laughs) sorry that was hated it (laughs) i'm not i'm not exaggerating when i say i think it is my least favorite moment in all of the star wars movies oh my god wow worse than the pod racing my god hated it i am so ready to unpack this i'm so ready to unpack this I loved oh, it goodness. just because it was like Carrie Fisher was still with us almost like she hadn't been stolen away by some idiot in a tie fighter shooting out the bridge. I know Dan, you wanted to say something about this too. Oh <laughs> no. I just remember the discourse going ahead of this movie about if uh, Leia was going to die in the film was just very, um, it was very prevalent and it felt kind of strange. Yeah. Whether she should die also yeah, is a big thing. It um yeah, it was a very, very uncomfortable feeling ahead of time. Um ultimately I'm a fan of that scene as well because I'm glad that they didn't kill off Leia there because that would have felt so wrong with with Carrie Fisher's passing. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, I just remember that being such a, a big talking point ahead of time and it was very uncomfortable. Remember, because I remember Ryan Johnson saying, No, she finished this she finished filming this movie. Yeah. And we're not gonna we're not gonna kill her off on screen. We're not gonna like cut her out of the movie. Right. She finished, and we're gonna do that. And then that moment happens, and I'm like, mm-hmm. was he lying to us? Right. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Are they yeah. actually gonna do it? And it was actually pretty wild that they had a moment baked into the movie that <laughs> that actually would have worked if they mm-hmm. needed to to do that. Right. <sighs> See, and that's and that's my thing. I went into it pretty much spoiler free besides like the trailers and everything. And I thought, what a great place for her to die. This is war. And then when she comes back like a zombie Mary Poppins, I was (laughs) furious. I was furious. Minus the force, minus the force, like pulling herself back, though, that is actually a pretty realistic time frame of how long she could have survived just throwing that out there back into you know real physics and biology and stuff well i mean all that aside i really loved this movie when it first came out i think some of my love for it has dwindled some i think i've been looking at it more with a critical eye i think i've been looking at it more with respect to the full star wars canon And so some of it has chipped away a little bit. And I think there were a lot of things in The Force Awakens that I was hoping would kind of pay off in this movie that didn't really happen. Mm -hmm. And maybe I've just been listening to the fanboys too much. So I'm excited to fall back in love with it, talking with you guys. But kind of that feeling that I got when watching The Force Awakens again, I didn't get it when I was re-watching this movie and it made me sad. Like I had to break mm-hmm. up watching the movie just because of life getting in the way. And so that might've impacted it some too, but I, the distractions weren't distracting. I was just kind of distracted, if that makes sense. I gotcha, yeah. Yeah, I can understand that. Well, I'm with Colleen and Daniel on this one, guys. I love this movie. It is my number three in my Star Wars rankings. It barely loses out to Rogue One and we get to why a little bit later. I mean, visually, this is nothing short of stunning. 
like even now rewatching it, I'm just looking at it is beautiful. Yeah. The direction and cinematography is fantastic. It's incredible. I remember I saw it twice in its opening, either its opening weekend or its opening week. I, I remember I saw it twice, once with one of my friends and once with my brother and Leia making it back. Like the fact that she didn't die there, she made it, it was just a very CG and kind of maybe cheesiness of the visuals aside, maybe the fact that she did it was just so cool. Um, and I love what this movie does with the idea of symbols and really getting into the power and the reach of stories, how legends are really born, how it's important for those legends to spread, but also the dangers of what happens when people buy a little bit too much into those. Mm-hmm. When they buy too mm-hmm. much into their own legend. Exactly. Luke. <laughs> mm-hmm. Everything about this movie is still paying homage and referring to other parts of the franchise, but still pretty shoving it in your face that this is not your parents' Star Wars movie. This is going to be different, and I am just here for all of it. You know, this movie and Rogue One do really well. They explore the cost of war, what it ultimately means to be in a war I mean, you know, for us on a countrywide scale, but in this on a galactic scale, what does it actually cost? What effects does that have on a person, on everyday people, on the heroes, and just on the galaxy as a whole? And I love that it's this, along with things like Rebels and some of the later seasons of Clone Wars, really start to explore those themes. And I think this one does it possibly, the this one goes the furthest on that, I'd say. It has the punch of Empire, which I appreciated, because a lot of Star Wars is very, you can tell what's going to happen. For the most part, it's not surprising, but so many parts in this movie surprised me, and I love that. Like, I do like a nice, comfortable, like, Star Wars story, like The Force Awakens, where it's like, yes, I'm comfortable, and I like this, and everything about it is great. But then when the next one goes and, like, flips it on to the other side, it's like, oh, crap, I really didn't expect to see that. I also (laughs) really enjoy that feeling. Mm -hmm. But moving into our next discussion point, our favorite chip shout outs. Daniel, you have one that you wanted to start with, I think. Ooh, yes. So the very start of the movie, we get the dreadnought from the uh, First Order. I wish I had remembered to check what the dreadnought's name was, but that thing is intimidating and powerful. Those cannons destroy the base in one hit. Uh, plus, Captain Kennedy, the guy in charge of the dreadnought, is a cool foil to Hux. So Kennedy's old school empire, while Hux is like the new breed of officer, um, I like that their disagreement in different styles is one way that the sequel kind of establishes the First Order is still this new fledgling thing. It's different than the Empire. Um, it hasn't really hit its stride with the efficiency like the Empire has. Like, mm-hmm. this is a different class of, like, this isn't your daddy's Empire anymore. <laughs> yeah. It's run by a bunch it's of not, teenagers. It's your, te- it's yeah. your teenage knockoff. Exactly. <laughs> but somehow you get better toys. Yeah. Toys such as Snoke's command ship, the supremacy. Guys, I remember seeing this thing on screen and like almost having to sit back further. It's huge. Mm-hmm. This thing is a mega class dreadnought. And it is the mobile headquarters slash capital of the first order. Snoke was adamant that they not have a capital planet or a capital city. Because as he said, he had like much larger designs in mind than the few systems that made up the old empire or the new republic. It is 60 kilometers wide, 
with a crew of about 2.25 million people, various soldiers, engineers, scientists, kind of you name it. It can dock up to six Star Destroyers. That's wild. (laughs) It also has research labs and factories, which are capable of churning out everything from Stormtrooper armor to new Star Destroyers. That's cool. (laughs) That is wild. sufficient. (laughs) Just hope it doesn't get destroyed. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. just hope hope nothing kind of uh, comes along and chops it in half, you know? Right. Uh, I really liked these ones. It was a cool new design for bombers. The resistance bombers from the beginning of the movie, they're reminiscent of the old B-52 bombers, which calls back to the roots of these dogfights being kind of the World War II movies that George would watch for inspiration. If not even as an early form of animatic or original trilogy fighter battles. I mean, it's insane. These things are, when they get taken out, when one of them explodes and takes out the other ones, I'm like, you guys, why oh, your yeah. formation, please? <laughs> Come on. Who, who came up with this formation? Poe. Poe came up with this formation. <laughs> I do really love Rose's sister, Paige Tico's. Her last stand is incredibly moving, even though we yes. don't know her. Like that actress just like nails it. Nailed it. So, oh, yeah. so good. Next up is the Radis, not to be confused with Radish, which is an <laughs> MC-85 Star Cruiser. It was one of the last ships built for the New Republic Navy before it became part of Leia's resistance. It is, or It was equipped with experimental shields, which contributed to Haldo's success with her final ramming, amazing, beautiful maneuver. And named after one of the most badass Mon Calamari, Admiral Radis, uh, from Rogue One. Very cool. Very Who was cool. also very good at ramming things. Yes. <laughs> ramming speed. <laughs> this one's oh, from Angala. <laughs> Radis is the best. Yeah. And then the last one that we need to mention is the pleasure barge <laughs> on, on uh, Canto Bite that just sails right off the waterfall into the air. That thing that was so, cool. so cool. Jabba's barge, eat your heart out. No kidding. Like, does it have to do that? No, but we're going to make sure it can Hell because yeah. we're yeah. really rich. We keep Amazing. talking, you know, we in our society keep talking about wanting flying cars. No, I want the flying boat. Right. All right, moving into our favorite aliens and droids. I I love Snoke. What? I love, I design love is very the design cool. of him what? is so freaking cool. I'm like still not sure mean, how big he is, but the, like really a candy. mangled Hugh Hefner in like yes. a velvety robe is your Heck thing. Yes. Absolutely, your thing. like Absolutely. a ball sack Hugh Hefner <laughs> is yeah. your thing. Andy Circus does a whole bunch for that role. Andy Circus is yes. the Absolutely. reason Andy Snoke is, is so great. Andy Circus is a great thing. I mean, Snoke, his species is officially unknown. I don't know. Maybe I just kind of like the mystery. Like, I loved this idea of this guy. I wanted to know everything about him. Where did he come from? How did he get connected with the First Order? So Given then does, what... like, Yaddle turn you on, too? Because she's mysterious. <laughs> Yaddle is smoking hot. Come on. <laughs> hey, baby. You know what? Yaddle, Yoda, they... Grogu had to come from somewhere, people. <laughs> they must have been attractive, I mean, to each other. <laughs> One frog person to another. Absolutely, oh, but Snoke, I mean, he's got all the swagger, despite the fact that he looks like a ball sack. Yeah. <laughs> it's like he knows it and he's working with it. Yeah, and he's also, I mean, he's got the scars and like you feel like there is some kind of a story there. Mm-hmm. 
that ultimately we don't there's get. There's really not, but... Yeah. <laughs> Apparently he's really not, but... It looks like he has a story. I would still like I would still like to know the story of how he became involved with the First Order, yes, given what we yes. know from the Aftermath trilogy of mm-hmm. where the First Order kind of started. So at what it's, point do yeah. they hook, does he come into the picture and kind of consolidate yeah. things? Because it seems like he usurps control from Ray Sloan. Yeah, She's I would like think so. nowhere to be seen. I would and think so. I'm one. assuming she's dead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Gotta kill off all of our strong female <laughs> leads. <laughs> but on a much lighter note, another one that I just really loved from this movie, the caretakers on Octo. Mm-hmm. They are nuns. Yeah, they're nuns. How do you solve <laughs> a problem like a Jedi? <laughs> poor, poor people. I mean, they have been taking care of the temple pretty much since forever. There's a little more details on that in the in the novelization of the movie about the kind of deal that they struck with the Jedi way back when. Don't seem to really like Ray that much. They they tolerate <laughs> Luke. They tolerate Luke decently. Um, he probably fixes his own doors <laughs> and doesn't blast holes in the wall. But I mean, just their whole relationship with Ray is hysterical, considering how closely they are linked to the Jedi and how they are like supposed to be these protectors and caretakers, but they are still like grumpy janitors. Oh yeah. Like we're supposed to take care of the temple of the Jedi, but they're a Jedi here and that's really annoying for us. Yeah, yes. makes it difficult. They're like librarians. It's like a bunch of Jocasta news just wandering around this island. <laughs> They that she's the only Jedi they would enjoy. Oh, they'd get along like a house on fire or a tree on fire, as we'll see later. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, next up is the most adorable little thing you've ever seen, and that would be Porgs. They are Aww. so freaking cute. But okay, here's my question: They looked really delicious when Chewie was <laughs> yeah, eating them. They really did. They looked like Cornish game hen. So yes. I need to know, like, yes or no? Would you eat a porg? I'm sorry, Chewy. I am picking up the uh, porgs that you just put down. Like, yeah. you cook yeah, them. I would absolutely. I'm yeah. not wasting them. Yeah, don't yeah, waste yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. <laughs> but like, would you go out of your way to yes. eat a porg? Yeah, it's, it's like the only yeah. thing edible on the island. It seems, except for that weird fish thing that Luke finds that looks awful. It's like, yes, like yeah. No, oh, I thought you. that looked pretty good. Hey, I'm I, from Florida. I love seafood. I'll try. I it. do love seafood. I mean, maybe when it's cooked up, it looks like a nice swordfish steak. Yeah. So yeah, then I'd definitely give it a try. Make a nice I, like cream sauce out of the green milk. Okay. Ew. <laughs> Octo cuisine. Let's go. I noticed Cooking that that creature is not on our list. <laughs> you know what? She seemed to be fine with it when Luke was doing that. Oh, yeah. so I'm, was, I'm just going to say more that. Than fine. More than fine. She found Luke very attractive um oh man this is one thing this should have been in my unbearable list that i really did not like about this movie r.i.p admiral akbar unacceptable he deserved to go in a way different yeah pour one out an entire one an entire one out for freaking akbar in legends he dies after completing like the greatest military campaign of his life while he's basically an invalid stuck on moncala he does this so then okay, they that's him. pretty badass. It's so badass. He's like old and dying, and he's like, "I'm gonna make a trap." <laughs> <And he makes, laughs> I'm not done, and it works. And they're all like bowing down to him because he's fantastic. And then they have him sucked out of the bridge unceremoniously. I mean, to to speak to a point that Sarah did bring up earlier, it is 
kind I the reason I don't mind it is that's the cost of war anything could happen yes. so like I totally get mm-hmm. what you're saying because that is an amazing way to go on legends but I kind of I kind of like it for this just because I never read that legend stuff so I don't have that frame of reference right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. definitely makes things more the stakes it heightens the stakes a lot yeah when you know that he's been killed like their entire upper management has been killed who do we got left poe damn it (laughs) (laughs) crap we were not ready for this all right time for our sad daniel (laughs) Uh, yep time for our our daily sad the fathers i love these guys they were so race horses so cute they're a non-sentient quadruped species. They're using okay, competitive racing. Yeah, they're. I mean, they're. They can feel pain, obviously. And they can very feel sad. pain, but they're not sentient, they're so that makes sentient. it a little bit better. Mm-hmm. They're used in the racing on Cantobite. It reminds me a lot of horse racing, but also greyhound racing, where yeah. once the greyhound is done, they basically throw it away. That's why greyhound rescues are so important. Yeah. One of our friends actually has two greyhounds that were rescued. We love you, and we love those two babies. Yeah. Remember when that happened to Santa's little helper on The Simpsons, though, you guys? This is what the fathers reminded me of, was that they're going to get cast aside when they're done being good at racing. Mm, So good job, Finn and Rose, for letting them go. Yes. Next up is BB9E, who is the most (laughs) adorable, evil little shit you've ever seen. Yes. He's the first order BB unit on the supremacy, and he's the dark foil to BB-8, obviously. Mm. And because he's a droid, he obviously (laughs) discovers the intruders because all these humans don't know what's going on. Mm -hmm. I gotta say, he looks badass. He does. He looks great. There's a version of him on Resistance, and he's also a little shit on that show, too. Yeah. (laughs) So good. I feel like, though, if he had to have a f- human form, it would be Peter Parker in Spider-Man 3 when he's got his, like, emo <laughs> hair phase going on. Like, dark Peter, yeah. Oh, God, no. Please, no. <laughs> no, I see it. I believe it. I right? love it. I Daniel, love it. I had forgotten Spider-Man 3 existed, and now you did. Like, mm. I'd like to forget Spider-Man it's, 1 and 2 It's my turn well. to make people sad. Shut oh. up, smirch. Spider-Man 2. Okay, it sounds like we need to record another podcast specifically about this. Uh, but last last in our, uh, you know, favorite droids and aliens, the Vulp, uh, the Vulptex, excuse me, the little crystal foxes you see on Crate. Mm-hmm. They're so beautiful. I've been on a Pokemon kick lately. Um, where can I catch one? Like, I, yeah. I need one in yes. my Pokedex. I want to snuggle with it, right. even though you probably shouldn't because they might be sharp, but I want to snuggle. <laughs> Probably I don't know. Do they, but I agree with you. Do they become softer in like warm weather? Maybe. Possible. Could it's be. Possible. All right. It is time to move into our untouchables and unbearables. What in this movie is absolutely perfect, and what just doesn't work for us? I'm going to start us off with several of my untouchables here. Andy Serkis's performance as Snoke is yes. so good. I mean. Andy Serkis is your go-to person when you need to give a dramatic performance with a motion capture thing, and he absolutely pulls it off. And I love, I know I talked earlier about how much I want to get Snoke's backstory and all this other stuff, but I also love the fact that they killed him off. Couldn't they have done both? Couldn't they have done both? I would like both. They could have. They could have done the backstory in the next movie, but then they just like Sarah, just like uh, just like that map. You know, you don't actually need the backstory. 
Just like I the map from Force Awakens. I think <laughs> I'm going to disagree. I think I want the backstory. I love the kill. I love the kill. I think that's great. I think that's absolutely great. And we'll talk about that. But I, I have to say that not getting the backstory and was one of the biggest disappointments from The Force Awakens to this movie to just have that dangling out there for however long we waited and then for it to just kind of end so unsatisfactorily with all of our questions not even answered. It was just kind of like wild, blech, just uh. like oatmeal. You're going to eat it, <laughs> but I'm not excited about it. There were just several things in there. I mean, everything about it was just, it was subverting my expectations, which is what I think makes this the true spiritual successor to Empire Strikes Back. Like the true legacy of Empire Strikes Back isn't necessarily that you find out that Darth Vader is Luke's father or whatever. It's that you didn't know what was coming at any given moment his interactions with Kylo, you know, calling that mask ridiculous was <laughs> yeah. just such a delicious moment. What a smackdown. That yeah. scene is fantastic. I love it so much. Uh, and then moving on to other parts of this movie that are just like some amazing small moments when Luke appears on crate and he does the shoulder brush after coming out of the smoke. <laughs> just what an absolute epic. flex. Just epic. <laughs> such is, a little troll. I love Luke in this movie. Back on, I mean, back on the supremacy, the Praetorian guards and their vibroblade weapons, how they all yes. kind of have different weapons. And oh my God, that fight. I mean, that's one of my favorites. We could spend like 30 yes. minutes probably talking about that fight, but mm. put that aside for a sec. Laura Dern as Admiral Haldo. Queen. Absolutely. Love, love her. her. She has nope. such a presence on screen. <laughs> no, it's her. also very, she's just not here for pose BS, but still she has respect for him. Mm-hmm. And she's willing to make that sacrifice play. Also, a fun little fact, she was having such a fun time on set that anytime you see her fire a weapon, if you look, her mouth is actually going pew, pew. I That's love that. cute. <laughs> I love that so much. Um, Benicio Del Toro in this movie is the character. I wasn't sure what to make of him at first. Um, Vintage Benicio right there. But he was just, DJ just ended up being such an interesting character to think about. I love that as he's leaving and they're like, how could you do this to us? You're, you're on the wrong side. Mm-hmm. And he just says, maybe, like not willing. He's not going to deny that he's sold them out, that this is not a good person thing to do, but he's not a good person and he's not going to hide mm-hmm. that fact. Finn versus- he's like, they caught us. So yeah. sorry. <laughs> I did what I had to do to survive. Like he's a fun, morally gray character that we don't get enough of in Star Wars. Yeah. And then Finn versus Phasma, their their fight, their final duke it out. Yeah, Phasma did kind of get shafted. I would have liked to have seen her more of her in this yes. movie overall. Yeah, a little louder, please. Yes. That is a <laughs> I would big have detractor for this movie. Like to see, the, but yeah. Finn's you don't whole, waste like, Gwendolyn Christie like that. Finn's let's go Chrome Dome. I was in the theater and be like, yeah, that's right. <laughs> The the deleted scene uh, that they have of Finn versus Phasma, I think is a little bit better. I wish they had kept that version. It was a little more like fleshed out, gave them a little bit more of a fight. Because, um, mm-hmm. yeah, Which Phasma deserved deserve. it. They yeah, both they both deserve, deserve to have it. that moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like the janitor's back, bitches. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's going to destroy you all. 
So can we can we talk about Holdo for a second though? Because mm-hmm. yeah. so many people say, "Oh, she should have talked to Poe. She should have talked to Poe." But like Holdo is introduced to him right after the woman she respects so much, Leia freaking Organa, had just demoted Poe. Like she doesn't owe anything to Poe. He's a liability. Like they have no idea how the First Order is following them. Like she doesn't need to disclose their plan to everybody. Like he's not a ranking officer in that room who needs to know. So. I didn't have a problem with her not telling him. Uh, what are you guys' thoughts? I thought about this a lot because I remember I used to be on the train of like, would it have been that hard for her to just like, t- to just tell him like, this is what we're doing. But now the last couple of times I see this movie, I'm like, no, she doesn't. And it's not even that it's not even about like respect or anything on her part. It's totally down to Poe. He's just too yeah. thick to see what's going on in front of and understand what's happening all around him. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. everyone else in the ship pretty much is fine carrying this out. They either just straight up trust her because she is the one in command, the one right below Leia, or they understand they can see the bigger picture around them. And mm-hmm. Poe is just too thick headed. And now, I mean, yeah, he's angry. He's scared. I'll cut him a little bit of slack, but yeah. everyone else is willing to just to roll with it. And he should have too. she yeah. owes him nothing. Absolutely nada. And I hated how Poe wouldn't shut up. And, and like, frankly, I didn't buy into this as part of his character art. So I hated that they turned him into like a fuckboy flyboy. I hated that. <laughs> Yeah, that was an interesting choice. I know why they did it, and I can see why they did it. They cover it really well in the book Resistance Reborn, his kind of guilt over what happens and realizing that he was being a huge tool. <laughs> but that's in a book. I mean, and a lot of people yeah. don't read yeah, the books. Yeah, you have to... Okay, yeah, I don't read the books, first of all, and it shouldn't take a book to explain something problematic in the movie. It's just mm-hmm. problematic. Thank you. Yes, exactly. I, I do kind of like his arc, though, of, like, in the first movie, we see that he's, like, all flash and flare, and then when he's, like, actually tested on, in, like, a leadership capacity, he has to learn, mm-hmm. like, oh, maybe I should shut up, and instead of, like, like uh, Anders, you were saying, he's so thick-headed, he's rushing into every confrontation. Like, he's having confrontations with her. He's not having yeah. conversations. Right. I think it's if he had dialogue. come to her... Yes, if he had come to her and said, Admiral, um, I'm a little concerned. This is my concerns. Um, like, if he had come to her as a level-headed person, I think it would have gone way differently. Mm-hmm. So, and, and yeah. And I also think that he didn't learn anything because then at the very end of the movie, it comes down to him leading them by following the little ice foxes out. So, like, it still is a problem that just... Exists. I think he absolutely. I think he did learn. He did I learn because because he, I mean he they had to go. That he can't sacrifice everybody, which was good. Like no, we got to run, y'all. Right, yeah. and he learned not to go back up, Luke. Like he wanted to go rush out there. He's like, no, he's buying us time. He finally, he I think he finally it. started to learn the lessons. Yeah, yeah. about yeah. what it actually takes to make those command decisions. Yes, yeah. not just so what did you and your ex? But, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it took a lot of people dying and he needs to own up to that. But the idea that also, just like the First Order, the Resistance isn't exactly a well-oiled machine yet. No. Mm-hmm. It's still pretty new. Yes. Yep. So this idea that there are conflicts among some of the ranks, I do, it makes enjoy, sense. I do enjoy it and I think it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Well, it's no, like, he only had to follow the ice foxes because they had to find a way out. Yeah. It's like, follow the foxes. That sounds good. Uh, obviously. Thanks, obviously. movie. Obviously, follow the foxes. Um, for Holdo, I mean, she's one of Leia's oldest friends and confidants. So, Poe, sit down. This yeah. woman is vice admiral for a reason. Like, come on. You're yeah, pretty, plans, but no. plan's good. Right. Like, it's a good plan. And she doesn't have to tell you every bit and piece of what's happening. Mm-hmm. She just doesn't. Oh, yeah. It's frustrating. All right. So moving into my unbearables, I only have two, and they are overall relatively minor things. I don't know why, but this movie is written, I think, exceptionally well. But every time they refer to the character as the master codebreaker, I just, like, giggle <laughs> to myself and I kind of fall apart, like... If Maz knows him as well as she apparently does, I think she could have given him the name. Like, so when Justin ro- Thoreau, that's his name. Yes. Yeah. His name is Justin. He is a master code breaker, the. which isn't even a real title. It's not like you, you would walk up to him and say, hello, master code breaker. I'm Rose and Finn. So right. every time they are running around the casino and Rose is just like, where's the master code breaker? I just kind of giggle to myself and fall apart slightly. I'm sure Maz is over on her planet also giggling. <laughs> She's <laughs> like, true. I didn't even tell them his real name. <laughs> oh, she had a great weekend on Canto Bite with the master code breaker and Chewy. <laughs> oh yeah, Maz is definitely down for a threesome of that sort. Definitely. <laughs> Maz, Kanata, Chewbacca, and Justin Thoreau is a yes. wild combination. <laughs> Oh man. Um, we need the spinoff immediately. Yeah. <laughs> All the couples of Star Wars. <laughs> and then my one other unbearable for this movie. This movie is two and a half hours long. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to I don't want to cut any of it. But the premise of we're running out of fuel and they're chasing us, it's it's not the movie is too long to sustain that for as long as it does. Mm-hmm. And even when they go when they get away from that. The, the chase is still happening right. and it's not like a cat and mouse thing like a spy movie where you kind of keep missing each other they are in view of each other the entire yeah. time right it's yeah. not like Battlestar Galactica where the 33 minutes exactly episode, where that actually had a, like so much more tension because it was shorter yeah there's just a and lot of time. stuff happens and in real time. a lot of stuff happens while they are supposedly running out of fuel and then they just like check back in oh we're still running out of fuel we're still running out of fuel mm-hmm. you're like yeah. all right it sounds good but i like do I like said. that human pilots stay behind so that they don't sacrifice a droid there's a lot of people online who are like why don't you just let a droid fly or have it on autopilot or whatever it's like the droids are people too yes they are the autopilot's the not though like that's true the captain's but going down with their ship to make like, sure that their people survive Mm-hmm. I mean, there has to be a reason why an there actual does. There definitely does. had to be flying it for some reason. But yeah, let the droids live their lives. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So for my untouchables, we just have to talk about Daisy Ridley and Adam Driver because they brought their <laughs> the best. Anything to do with their force time sessions is just so gripping. Uh, it's just, it I loved it. I, I thought they are like the two best parts of this movie, like in terms of the performances, like they were mm-hmm. up there. Um, I know people wanted to see prime Luke. Like we kind of see in um, 
spoilers for Mandalorian season two uh, <laughs> at the end of Mandalorian season two. Um, I know people want to see that, but JJ left him in exile. So it kind of makes sense that Luke would be this tired, beaten down guy. Like he's, it's been th- 30 years since the events of the original trilogy. Like he's tired. Mm-hmm. Like he has fought and fought and fought against the dark only for it to reappear in his own family. Like yeah. I bought into Luke's lesson, like everything he was talking about, because like, I get it. You fought this long and then for it to be so close to home, I can see why he was so scared in that moment. Um, also his lessons on the hubris of the Jedi talking about how they fell to Palpatine. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was amazing. It hit perfectly. That was one of my favorite scenes. Mm-hmm. And then his sacrifice that is the most Jedi thing we've ever seen. They talk about using the force never to attack for defense. That's what he did. He defended his people. He projects himself across the star systems yeah. to go defend his sister and the rest of the resistance. And oh, that scene with him and Leia though. Oh. oh, when they get reunited. Oh my heart. Beautiful. And he <laughs> hands her the <laughs> dice. What? Okay. Hold on. I was going to ask this later. What are the dice from? That um, is from the dice. Millennium Falcon. They hang in the uh, yeah. in the cockpit. Okay, um, which Han we later see in Solo. Solo. As well. Yeah, yeah, they and were you just can get like them this at random. Galaxy's Edge. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they were this random background prop that like yeah. no one ever really noticed until mm-hmm. this moment, and then they brought them into Solo. Yeah, okay. they were just like a thing in the movies, and no one really paid attention. And I'm glad that they made it like that little That's small thing. thing was yeah. Yeah, like um, Luke acknowledges that he was gone mm-hmm. when Han died. Like, I'm sorry, I was gone. Yeah, and didn't yeah I thought feel that it was a beautiful way to do it. I was disconnected from the Force. And so my my usual uh, untouchables, the the action is brilliant, and of course I love the space set pieces. Uh, it's just anything to do with space is always going to make me happy. I think where the film ends left the series in a really great place. So I thought Ray taking up the mantle, of the Jedi. Finn ready to fight for more than himself and, and just Ray, Poe understanding what it means to be a leader. The resistance is whittled down, but they've got this renewed drive. Kylo's poised to be the big bad of the final film. It set up so many things. And I see so many detractors talk about this movie leaves you with nothing. What are you going to do for the last movie? There's all of that. I thought it left us in a great place. So I understand not everything that I'm talking about pays off uh, in later movies. But it was set up to one next week. It was, (laughs) I thought it had a brilliant setup. So I left this movie going like just so excited for the future. Mm -hmm. Um, To my unbearables though, I I get the idea of the Cantina planet. Like Canto Bites. Okay. Uh, I don't, I don't hate that scene. I just don't think it was executed very well. It was a little um, prequels esque. Some might say. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, I, I dislike how sidelined Finn feels in this movie. He yeah. feels so disconnected mm-hmm. from the main plot. Mm-hmm. And uh, especially after what we've heard from John Boyega talking about how there just really wasn't any plan seemingly for Finn or for Rose or anyone. It was just kind of, we like Daisy Ridley and Adam Driver had like storylines assigned for their characters, but everyone else just kind of fell by the wayside. It makes me sad watching this. Mm-hmm. um to to know what he went through and, and how he feels about it now um yeah. i i love ray and i love that she's such a figure for girls and women who got mm-hmm. to see like a jedi on screen but yeah. i kind of wish finn could have been a jedi too like i don't yes. want him to take over for ray i wish they both could have had their own 
you know, uh, journeys in the force. Like I think having Finn stay with Leia and kind of learn the force in a different way, not as a full on Jedi, but kind of how Leia does like instinctually and kind of subtly uses the force. I I thought that would have been a cool way. So much now. Yeah. They do it a little bit in the Lego movie, which I think was great. Yeah, Yeah. they do. Like I want that. Yeah. I wanted that a lot. And then Anders, you're, you're right. The running out of fuel thing is it goes on a little too long. I think we could have spiced it up. Maybe like, what if they were trying to like dodge them through an asteroid field, but then that feels a little reminiscent of empire, like two on the nose. I don't know. I feel like there's a little something they could have done to spice up that chase. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But otherwise, like my, my nitpicks are pretty minor. I watch this movie and I'm just happy. Aww. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm going to shake it up and start with my unbearables because I want to leave my untouchables to like be the precious little untouchables that they are. <laughs> so we already talked about how absolutely horribly, <laughs> agonizingly unbearable <laughs> it is to watch Leia fly through space. Ugh. I'll, I'll give you that the choreography could have been a lot better. Uh. Uh, but I love the emotion behind it, but uh, it does the, not look great. That's what I'm saying. The emotion behind it is completely separate from execution and yeah. execution. Like, ugh. anyway, I get you I, there. I also did not like the Rose kissing Finn and saving Finn thing because yeah. like Rose, sweetheart, let the man make a sacrifice. This is this is a thing that the resistance is really bad about doing. And Anders has talked about this before, I believe. Yeah. This I was is thinking, a big just thinking Star about Wars that. trope of like, this person's gonna make a sacrifice and not by hell they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a it's a problem, Rose, because you didn't know that Luke was about to do what he was about to do. And if Luke wasn't there, you literally just effed the whole thing up because you wanted a kiss and to save Finn. Like, I do not get me wrong. I am so glad that Finn is alive and well. Yes. Yeah. Alive and well. But once again, the execution on it was horrendous in my humble opinion. I'll give you the kiss. I'll definitely give you the kiss. Like yeah, that was like just random. Kiss. I don't like yeah, the kiss. No. I love that she saved him though. It's so I do realistic. Like that she was willing to, to like, save my friend. Him. My friend is not going to die today. <laughs> I get well, you know what? Yeah, Honestly, but they almost if die Luke, in that crash. Right. That's what yeah. I'm yeah, saying. Yeah. Like, listen, if Luke wasn't there, y'all are dead yes. anyway. Yeah. So Rose, you giving him five extra minutes is like just a snooze. If if they actually had Finn go through with that sacrifice, I think that would have been wild to see. I would have been sad yes. that Finn would have died, but I think that could have been an incredibly powerful moment. But then we probably wouldn't have gotten the Luke stuff, and I'm yeah. really glad what we got from Luke. So, Oh, the Luke stuff, that's one of my untouchables, so we'll get yeah. there in a hot yeah. second. I also think just the... Again, the kiss, I don't... I'm not here for. Yeah. So the setup for that, not so much. I do kind of like the line, though. I like the sentiment that we're going to win by saving not destroying what we, what we hate. It's going to be saving yeah. what we love. Yeah. Now, if they had done that in a slightly better way, yes. might be a different story. That's, it's yeah. very Ezra. Like, Kanan got kidnapped, but we're not going to let him stay kidnapped. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> yep. My, hey, okay. my next unbearable is that I just... I'm going to defend my main man Poe again and say that I found it unbearable that they had him disobeying two 
powerful women's orators back to back. I don't, my Poe, okay, and like, again, obviously there's Canon Poe and my Poe, mm -hmm. but my Poe never, ever, ever would have done that. I just, it distresses me. It's not a good look, especially when he grew up with like a powerful female role model like Poe. And then my next unbearable is kind of a philosophical problem that I have with Luke. I think it's really odd that Luke wouldn't stand by Ray's decision to try and save Ben Solo. Because first of all, homie, you already made the mistake by like flashing your saber at him and causing all that mayhem. But second of all, Vader was the same and you saved him. So why will you not, why will you not trust in Ray that she is trying to do what you did to Vader and with mm -hmm. Vader to what she's trying to do with Ben Solo. I just find that to be incredibly unbelievable and very frustrating. It's very frustrating to me. He's, he's Obi-Wan now. When Luke was like, I'm going to save my dad. And Obi-Wan was like, God damn it. Yeah. <laughs> I think, yeah. yeah, I think he sees it as the cycle, like, this is this a lost cycle starting all over again when he, he did say Vader. I think he's wrong. I mean, he's definitely wrong, but. Yeah, he did yeah. say Vader though. He bought into his own hype he was luke skywalker jedi knight and he started this whole thing and that led to kylo ren and snow came crashing down and it all came crashing back down and i think he's just he's so sick Brandy. of playing so the game that in his mind at, the, at this particular point it, where ray finds him on that island he's decided the only way to possibly win is to stop playing. Well, then I the guess he should, <laughs> yeah, I guess then he should stop playing and support Ray, who's trying to get some work done. So, you know what I thought of when you said this, Sarah, was the Yoda quote in this movie where he says, they are what we grow, or shoot, I can't even think of what he said now, but... <laughs> <laughs> they grow something past about, us it's like how yeah, they, yeah. something about how they grow beyond us you. yes yeah. yeah i like had it in my head and then it completely went away but yeah, the yoda syntax that, man <laughs> right i thought of that yoda quote because uh, exactly like what anders was saying and like telling what you guys were saying is he he is kind of the obi-wan figure in this he like ray is growing past his like his cynicism like she still has that bright-eyed like belief and uh i th i thought it was kind of great that she brings that spark back to him at the very end where he's willing like okay i will i will do the sacrifice moment i will like i will stand up and fight like she's asking me to so it is kind of sad that he still doesn't believe in kylo yes um, which is yes. very i mean again it is very obi-wan-esque but i do love you know that he he still has that moment of i can be the jedi legend yeah I do love how he says, I'll see you, kid, to <laughs> Kylo, though. It's like, yeah, it's, mm. it's like a I little, like bit that of, line. little bit of hope at the end. Be like, mm, maybe I will see you sometime. <laughs> I like that line, but I will have a lot to say about it next week when we talk about. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> Rise, of oh, yeah. Rise of Skywalker is going to be wild, you guys. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Well, now on to my untouchables. First things first, we'll start with a light little joke. I loved how Poe kept calling General Hux General Hugs on the phone. 
That was I perfect. love that scene. I love it so much. Honestly, that one does not do it for me. Oh, I love oh my it. gosh, I love no, it. Daniel, it's hilarious. No, I'm Mom like Poe. Is I'm like Poe. You can be better at this. No, <laughs> it's, it's okay. perfect. Just a Domino minute. Gleason I also plays need to get it really a new drink. Well. <laughs> Keep going, though. Keep going. <laughs> uh, Domino Gleason plays it really well, but I just think, like, they make him so much more goofy in this one, where, like, in the first one, he was this terrifying, screaming fascist, and then here they kind of play him off as this, like, goofy uh, dude, and I just, uh, I don't care for that characterization uh, that they go for Hux in this. Like, I, I kind of wanted more of the crazy fascist we got in the first movie. I mean, listen, that's a separate issue than from how great the general hugs joke is. <laughs> yeah, I just like the humor in this. Like, you know what? I will agree with some of the uh, criticism that the humor in this is kind of Marvel-esque. That does feel like mm. a kind of Marvel quippy joke that just yes. doesn't feel as home in Star Wars. True. And it was something I, it. I think Ryan Johnson was actually saying that it was one of the biggest things that he was nervous about in this movie is starting off on a joke. Yeah. I mean, Poe po was very jokey in the first one too. Yeah, when yeah, he talked yeah. to Kyle, and it's like, "You talk, I talk. We, what, who talks first? <laughs> Does this work?" <laughs> well, next up, I love that creepy library for the Jedi books, but yes. I love even more that Yoda made Luke think that they were destroyed, and Ray saved them. Yeah. That yes. was just so so perfect that the Jedi texts are still safe and protected, and like Luke. Of course, you're crying and whining and starting a drama fest. Like, sit down. The books are fine. Like, Read them, have you? Yes. Uh, uh. Well, <laughs> well, I, I, I scanned them. the index. Yeah. So Check the bibliography. I also love Yoda says uh, there's nothing in there that the girl Ray does not already possess. Yes. Because, of course, that little troll already knows. I just that she possesses the books they're so they're so great it's so great um for a little bit more somber I love that Kylo was unable to kill his mother yes yes that is one of my favorite parts he's like nope it's my mom guys Mm -hmm. (laughs) and yeah I can kill my dad but not my mom that is great because I love that all throughout this movie we get uh, conflicted Kylo where you're like we, we really believe he might be able to turn through their conversations and through not being able to kill Leia you can still see that humanity in there yeah. and then his turn at the very end where he's like nope I can kill Snoke and I can take it all and yeah. he fully goes down the dark side like I I love that they strung us along the whole time yes mm-hmm. and speaking of that I love that Kylo and Rey are connected now we don't get the term diet until the next movie but it lays the groundwork here so freaking well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my favorite quotes is by Yoda. The greatest teacher failure is mm-hmm. so clutch. Welcome back, Puppet Yoda. Please stay with us. Yes. Please. Oh, my God. He looked great. So good. <laughs> so good in this movie. <laughs> um, I love, we already talked about, like, the Luke standoff. But the dust salt on the red planet and how Luke was using a vision to fight was so, so mm-hmm. good because you weren't really sure how Luke was going to get out of this. And the fact that he was using the Jedi force in this mm-hmm. manner was just so poetically perfect. It's probably yeah, yeah. one of my favorite moments in Star Wars, yes. if not if not top five, top 10 mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. And but then that he picked his form from when Kylo would have recognized him. 
Like this is his old form and yeah. he's holding the blue lightsaber. I was confused by that. I'm not going to lie. He's emotionally manipulating Kylo yeah. so well in this scene. So mm. The little hints that they give us that we should have picked up on. And I, ne- I didn't pick up on it at all until like Kylo puts the saber through him. I, I started to guess when you didn't see the salt shift under Luke's foot. You're kind of like, why don't I get to see that gorgeous stark red? Yeah. The first time I was just so focused on like their faces and stuff that I wasn't mm. even looking at their feet because I was just so wrapped on like what's yeah. happening. That's Ryan Johnson that's, like yeah. this. like. <laughs> yeah, that's the mark of a good movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then finally to like end it on just a beautiful moment. I, well, I hated, let me start with an unbearable, <laughs> hold on, time out. <laughs> I hated that Finn and Rose saved the enslaved animals, but left the enslaved children. Yeah, yeah not that's great. Bad. That is a that's tough bad. look. Not great. Hey, they I, opened the door, the animals were smart enough to run through it. I guess, but like, to get back to that untouchable, I love how it ends with that little slave boy looking up to the night sky with the resistance ring on his finger and the broom like a lightsaber. Oh, mm-hmm. That was yes. just incredibly beautiful. And the I fact that he that pulls the it to him. Yes. yes. In the theater at the end when we walked out, I turned to my friend and I said, holy shit, did you see that little boy grab the broom with the force? And she was like, yep. what? Yeah. Yeah. So I know people it. make fun of, oh, broom boy, but like, the no, whole point of this beautiful. movie is that anyone could have the force. Anyone could step up. And mm-hmm. that's what I really love about Ray's arc yep. in this movie. Yeah. Um, so f- for them to continue it on with that child who was like, he saw something when like important when Finn and Rose were on that planet, he was inspired by the resistance mm-hmm. in that moment. And I thought it was beautiful how they showed like that little spark of hope. Yes. Right. All you need to do is see one person stand up yeah. and you're like, I can stand up too. Yes. Good job, Finn and Poe. Mm-hmm. Not Finn and Poe, Finn and Rose. Yeah. Yeah. I just want to ship Finn with everyone, guys. So this is fine. I mean, he's a very huh. sexy man. God, he's so good looking. He's wasted, wasted in this movie. We need more, more Finn. Yeah. Okay. My Untouchables. This is my favorite Mark Hamill performance, live mm-hmm. action, I should say, because his Joker is fantastic. Mm-hmm. I think it's his best performance of his career. And I know he, at first, he was like, I don't really know what Ryan wants me to do with Luke in this movie. I'm confused by it. And then he went back and watched it and he was like, damn, I'm good in this movie. Yeah. (laughs) Like, yes, fantastic. There was so much like, quote, this isn't my Luke quote talk online. Yeah, it's better. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's better. You'd think he'd done a complete character 180 with what people were saying, but young Luke is still there. He's still Mm -hmm. he's still funny, like really funny. He's impulsive. He's reckless. His jump across that cliff, like, yes, of course he can do it. He's a Jedi. But the look on his face when he does it is just like, watch me. <laughs> he just <laughs> launches himself. Like, if that is an old freaking Luke, I don't know what is. But then he gets the character development, like an older Luke would have, and that he deserves. Mm-hmm. I love Legends Luke. Legends Luke is great. Adore him. But this version, I can also really get behind. He's cantankerous. He's dismissive. He's lost. And he's so afraid. Mm-hmm. So afraid. And I think that's what people had a problem with, was that it wasn't Brash Luke going and confronting the Emperor and getting Vader. This is like a person who is older, who has lived long enough to know that 
stuff doesn't always work out for you. He's broken. Yeah. He's so realistic. Like for a space fantasy, this is a very realistic portrayal of a person who thinks he's destroyed everything that he yes. loves. His relationship with his sister, his relationship with his best friend, his freaking nephew. He thinks he's failed them. And he thinks he's let down the entire galaxy. So I think it's very realistic that he would flee and go into the unknown regions and be like, peace, I'm out. You guys take care of everything that I've ruined. <laughs> Whoops. And then Leia was always the strong one. So that's believable too, that she would retake her mantle of general leader of the resistance and that Luke would just run. Very, very realistic and believable if that would happen. He's so much like Anakin. It's not even funny, you guys. It's like they're related. Yeah. Right? Oh my God. 100% of his drama is brought upon himself. Yeah. He makes his own damn drama. Uh, next, I love Rose Tico. I will fight people. <laughs> I love her so much. It's probably because Kelly Marie Chan is amazing. I love her mm -hmm. in this role. And the way she was treated on social media after the movie premiered was atrocious. And yes, we do not yes. support that. And we love you, Kelly. Keep making every movie that you can. Mm -hmm. I like that Rose is normal. She's got no powers. She's not physically intimidating at all. When she struggles against the freaking First Order Stormtroopers, like, girl, you're not going anywhere. But she still tries. Yeah. She's just the normal person trying to make it in the galaxy. I love it. Well... It looks like, Colleen, we're going to have to disagree once again. I really wanted to like Rose, but frankly, the character just felt flat to me. And I felt way more for her sister, that performance, than anything I saw from Rose. I just, I don't know if it was because I felt like she was playing in a, in a side quest. It was like the whole kiss thing. Yeah. I just could not get down with Rose. And that does not mean that any of that online vitriol was warranted, but it just fell flat for me. And I, f I feel bad because I can't get on the Rose train. I just cannot. You're very right that it feels like she was relegated to a side quest. Like you're yeah. taking your two main characters of color and putting them on a side quest. Not exactly the best thing to be doing, even though they have good chemistry and it's fun to watch them but give them more to do if you're going to yeah i think i think rose needed a bit more to do again i i think the kiss is totally unnecessary i don't like how she just gets completely shafted in rise of skywalker after mm -hmm. like they do yeah, a decent amount bad. of work um mm -hmm. introducing her here yeah but i do like her just just like the broom boy this idea that it could be anyone and it take all it takes is for you to see people stand up. She is that wide-eyed person. Mm -hmm. Finn finds her in the down bowels of yeah. the ship all alone. She is like the low, she is the lowest part of that totem pole. Yeah. Yeah. Of everything. And yet she has that innocence. She has that conviction. She is willing to stand up and do whatever she can. She shocks him way fast. I love yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> when she's like, oh, you're trying to escape? Nope. <laughs> I did like that part. That was good. Yes. That's I, when she shows she has some like backbone. I right. love pairing her and Finn. I thought that was a great combo, though, because you see her. She's this naive, like hopeful, mm -hmm. just like she's all in on the resistance. Like 
she, I don't think she quite sees the full scope of things yet. Mm-hmm. And then you've got Finn, who's just kind of jaded at this point. He's really only fighting for Ray. Like he's all he cares about is getting to Ray, getting to Ray. Yeah. Uh, and so I think it was great putting them together so they can kind of blend a little bit. Like by the end, Finn realizes what he's fighting for. And I think Rose also finally understands what she's fighting for. While mm-hmm. that speeder crash scene doesn't really do it for me. I think Andrew's like you were saying the sentiment behind what she says is really nice. Cause like she finally gets what she's fighting for. And so I like the two of them together, but like you're saying, I think we probably could have gotten a better storyline for them. Yeah. Um, but I like Rose as a concept and just Kelly Marie Tran. We love you. I love her so much. Yeah. She's so fantastic. Except for Sarah, who apparently just like totally hates you. I don't know. I don't know <laughs> yeah, what's going sorry on. Sorry about that. <laughs> Listen, I'll watch you in other things. It just wasn't my favorite. What can I say? If you're literally listening to this, I do apologize. It's not her fault. She she delivers a wonderful performance. I think they just needed to give her more to do. Um, speaking of poor Finn and Rose, the Cantobite sequence, this is my unbearable, is too long. That's it is too I'm long. Saying. There's yeah. not enough to it. I like that they wanted to do like a rich person's version of Chalmans from mm-hmm. A New Hope. I like that idea. I like the dichotomy. It just, it doesn't quite work. It gives a nice political weight to this galaxy that doesn't come up again in Rise of Skywalker so it feels really empty that it was included here and they especially left Broom Boy love him whose name is Tamiri Blag great name they left him hanging like I was ready for Broom Boy to do more related to Broom Boy it's more of an unbearable because of what happens in Rise of Skywalker Ray's parents being nobodies like I love this idea Mm -hmm. yeah yeah bring on the nobodies who are suddenly the most powerful person yes. in the galaxy. Like, yes, you get your Skywalker, you have Ben Solo, and then you have this girl who rises from nothing to meet him. I love that idea. Giving yeah. it all day. But of I course, love that idea. it doesn't come to fruition. So then it becomes unbearable when you watch Last Jedi again. You're like, well, mm. that came to nothing so now i feel bad <laughs> so i know i know we're on the last jedi episode but i do want to just say a little bit about how that goes forward in rise of skywalker mm-hmm. it also could have been interesting having ray deal with the fact that she comes from something dark and awful yeah. and having to overcome that mm-hmm. but i think introducing both ideas in the same trilogy that like one overwrites the other right like you said yeah it really does it makes me kind of sad when I watch the scene because like you said, I love the idea of Ray being no one. I love the idea that the only reason she's here doing this is because the force plucked her up and chose her. Yeah. Like right. it's such a wonderful concept that like anyone could do this. You just have to answer the call of the force. It's right. it's the midichlorian problem all over again, <laughs> yeah. just yes. by a different name. Yeah. Exactly. It, where it makes it about bloodlines instead of about like people, just people, regular yeah. people. A hero's journey. Like the hero's journey people are usually a normal person yeah that then takes up the challenge like luke wasn't luke eventually he was anakin's kid whatever right harry potter pretty much a normal person like yeah his parents were great but they were like 20 something wizards mm-hmm. so he really came from just nothing yeah, superpower is rich basically <laughs> like they <laughs> stole that great storyline from yeah. her Ah, all right. <laughs> One thing I want to talk about Canto Bite. Mm. Uh, I, I'm glad we mentioned the kind of political aspect to it. 
the scene between DJ and Finn when they are on the weapons dealer's yacht mm. and he's going through and sees that, oh, yeah. he sells weapons to the bad guys and flips the screen. Yeah. Oh, and the good guys. Yeah. I wish we had gone forward with that because yes. that is an interesting idea to introduce because like the whole idea in this movie is Finn trying to understand what he's fighting for and is he going to buy into the resistance and him like realizing shit things are a little more like shady than gray than, yeah their things are a little more gray it's not as black and white um i like that they introduce that and he still like realizes no i'm gonna i'm gonna put my weight into the resistance there may be some aspects that are bad but like but they're I'm not fight. fascist <laughs> yeah i'm gonna fight still to defend the people i love and to defend the people of the galaxy no matter what it takes and so yeah i i enjoy that i kind of wish we had found a way to talk about that more in the movies but interesting thing to bring up in there true Mm -hmm. and i think so one more small thing to to bring up because i think this movie this movie itself i don't think has that many problems in and of itself Right. I don't there are not that th- that many things I think that are wrong with this movie as a movie. But I think what we what we're really starting to hint at is this movie's place among the trilogy, among the nine yeah. episodes Skywalker saga in general and how things do, don't pay off in later movies. Yeah. So it doesn't necessarily do a great job of franchise building. Right. In that sense. Yeah. And the one that, again, I don't think it's a particularly big problem with this movie, but it becomes a major problem when we have to try and buy into some things in the next movie. Yes. Is yeah. that our ostensibly our three main heroes, our, our trio of characters, you've got Ray, you've got Finn, you've got Poe. The three of them don't appear in a scene together until the end of this movie. They yes. don't get a scene together at all in Force Awakens. And then not until the very end of this movie. And for a story that is ultimately follows a lot of pretty standard storytelling mechanisms, such as the rule of three, the yeah. rule of threes. It's trope heavy. Like it's trope heavy on these tropes. And to then when we get into the next movie to rely on the chemistry of the three of them together and buy into the relationship doesn't ultimately work for us. They were lucky that the three leads were such good actors and obviously got along well together and had Mm -hmm. good acting chemistry because it really could have fallen flat. Yeah. But moving on, this movie does do a lot of work to build, Mm. to build the world and build the Star Wars franchise. Colleen, Mm -hmm. what's that biggest one that we just love about this movie? (laughs) Yes, Leia using the force. I love it. She does a lot in Legends with her force training, but she still kind of gives it up to pursue the government role, which is a lot like canon, so I'm fine with it. I waited most of my life ever since I was seven and saw Leia and was like, I love her. I want to be her. I've been waiting to see her break loose with the force. She has the same potential as Luke. They come from the same parents. Like, it's there. It may be hiding and latent but it's there and she finally gets to show off i love it not just any jedi could survive the vacuum of space for that long especially after feeling that emotional whiplash of your son almost was gonna kill you like she felt him coming in and then he pulls back and she's like okay a little bit relief that he didn't kill her but then random tie pilot comes in and almost kills her anyway she still has the presence of mind to 
prepare herself with the force because she knows she could feel it coming you can see it on her face she's like well shit mm-hmm. we're all gonna die so mm-hmm. she yeah races herself with the force i love that like, it just shows moment. her strength and resilience and i was ready to see it and we got it and i was happy <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. and we touched on this already a little bit but the the business of war now we know from some rebels and some expanded universe stuff about the empire building factories to churn out their navy and all of their war machines on various planets all the way throughout the galaxy but we never really got a sense of the capitalism involved in the whole thing on making ships and weapons again there is some stuff about those corporate partners and things in um in some of the novels and the comics and stuff, but it's never really been brought up on screen like this. Mm-hmm. And hey, the uh, the First Order, just like us in, in this country, they use subcontractors and uh, government corporations. It, it works out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but I think before this moment, like in my mind, I just always assumed that like the rebels either stole or like built their own stuff. I knew that like the Mon Calamari fleet was yeah. from that planet but like all the x-wings and stuff i think i just kind of assumed that they had to like build those themselves the idea that they were buying somewhere. them <laughs> never crossed my mind i mean sometimes buying <laughs> sometimes stealing uh you know i believe in rebels don't they steal uh some y-wing bombers yes yeah yeah, yeah. they steal the y-wings Mm-hmm. Corey makes a few things for them. The B yeah. wings. Oh, the B wings. I can't wait to talk yes. about the B wings. <laughs> uh, so we also get to see, uh, I like that we get to see this across both movies, actually, what the average person kind of thinks and knows about mm. the resistance and the Jedi. So like in the in Force Awakens, we see Finn and Ray. So like, oh, Han Solo, the smuggler? No, the general. Uh, and then we get to see with Rose and the boy on Canto Bite, like they're so in awe to see these heroes in their mind. Like Rose, like you're you're one of the guys who helped us like destroy the the um star uh, star killer base. Oh mm-hmm. goodness, my brain is blank today. And then the boy on Canto Bite, like when he sees the resistance symbol and he's yeah. in awe, Sabine. and they're talking. Yes, <laughs> and they're talking about Luke Skywalker's uh, sacrifice. It's it's nice seeing this from the view of just kind of your average person because most of star wars we see it from like kind of the higher up people and it's Mm -hmm. nice seeing what the average person thinks uh Mm -hmm. it's nice knowing that that symbol gives hope to people Mm -hmm. next up is hyperspace tracking and Mm -hmm. this gets a throwaway mention in rogue one as Jin and cassian are searching for the death star plans Mm -hmm. but here all this time later in the next movie, it comes to fruition. Yes. I like I remember- that there's a connection there. Yeah. I think I had to rewatch Rogue One to actually pick up on that one. Mm-hmm. But it is there all the way back in the Empire. They were t- they were trying to figure out how to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they kind of did it a little bit in Rebels, but this is the most advanced version. Yes. Yeah. Um, so we also get to see the battering ram cannon. So that is miniaturized Death Star tech. So up until now, we see Death the first Star order Grog. is always... Yeah. <laughs> yes, Grog. <laughs> uh, or uh, Grond. Grond. Grond, sorry. Oh, yes. the wolf, the wolf yes. battering yes. ram from Lord of the Rings? <laughs> Hell <Woo>! yeah. <laughs> Which, oh my gosh, don't even get me started because that is one of my favorite parts of that movie. It gets me every time. Uh, 
but I love this because up until now we see the first order like go bigger, bigger, bigger because they have Star Killer base, which more. is just, yeah, more, more Daniel, more, more. <laughs> Uh, like so instead of seeing the giant gorilla walkers or like star killer base they're like no no what if we did something efficient and streamlined um so it's like wow first order you're growing good for you <laughs> i love that and it's really great um and then next up we have what this film does about our understanding of the force how it works what you can do with it and i gotta say major flex by snoke his force yes. lightning is next level when he just like bounces it off the floor to yeah. take to Kylo, Kylo. Yes. Mm-hmm. That is some major power coming out of this guy. Oh my yeah. Gosh. Insane. So cool. I wish we'd gotten more of him. <laughs> yes, take it from us too soon. But apparently there's some of him, you know, sitting in some test tubes somewhere. So maybe right, maybe we'll exactly. get another one. Hopefully someday. I like this part, the force, it always finds a way. As Kylo gets stronger, so does his counterpoint in the light. Balance, the force likes balance, you guys. As Palpatine fucked around and found out, so did Snoke. Don't mess with Skywalkers who are in ascension mode. Do not, even if they're on the dark side, because they're gonna wreck you. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Also love this, the force time. Yes. Whoever came up with the term force time, I am bowing down to you right now because that is fantastic, mm-hmm. <laughs> especially in the COVID day and age. Funny story, <laughs> they added the part where Kylo isn't wearing a shirt. Thank you, by the way. Yes. <laughs> mm. And for the Finally. memes also that sprung from that. Yes. Everything sprung from that. I'm not lying. <laughs> they used that to make sure the audience was aware that the two characters could, in fact, actually see each other. Not only are these two having full conversations, though, Snoke says he's the reason they are, which I think is kind of a lie here. He's, he thinks he's telling the truth, but it's their dyad connection that Sarah mentioned before. Yeah, He might be enhancing it. I think he's enhancing it. Like, there's a reason that this hasn't happened before now. Mm-hmm. So this is my understanding of it, and I don't think this is, like, officially said anywhere, but this is the way I've always rationalized it. I think that their dyad started in The Force Awakens when Kylo's trying to breach her mind and, and she like she kind of breaks through. Yeah, I think in that moment, they bond, like the Force ties them together in that moment. Mm. And I think Snoke is aware and manipulates it, but I don't think he's the full reason, like he says. I think he's, as always, he's projecting because, you know, like his <laughs> giant projection in The Force Awakens. I think he likes the theater and the... Uh, the idea of being all powerful. Definitely an opera fan. Yeah. (laughs) The drama of it all. He loves it. Mm -hmm. Um, So we also get to see some ghost power-ups. Yoda in this ghost form (laughs) uses the lightning. Uh, We've never seen a ghost do that. I think it's really neat. Um, This is something that the Bindu and Rebels kind of does. Like we see him interact with uh, the weather and lightning and things like that but this is the first time we see it in live action and from a dead character. Um, so right. that, yeah, it's really neat. Um, just, I, I love the little ways they expand that. So pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Ooh, I can't wait till we get to talk about the Bendu, you guys. Yeah. <laughs> moves forever. Uh, next we have force projection. Also really cool. If you look closely, you can see that Luke doesn't leave the red footprints like Sarah mm-hmm. said on the crate planet surface, indicating that he's not really there. Y'all. Kylo, not paying attention. Earlier, 
when Kylo and Ray are talking, Kylo notes that Ray isn't powerful enough to project herself that far. It would kill her, which yep. foreshadows that it will kill Luke. Mm-hmm. No matter how powerful you are, guys, this is gonna kill you, which is very sad, but also I do love that this is how he chooses to sacrifice himself. Mm-hmm. Like he does get that last moment with Ben. And I love the line that everything you just said is wrong. <laughs> <laughs> also, going back to what we were saying about how like everyone in these movies is willing to lay down and sacrifice their lives, but no one else is willing to let them do it. Right. <laughs> they couldn't get of to course, Luke. <laughs> exactly. Of course, Luke yeah. only does it because he knows he's safe from anyone coming in to try and save him. The caretakers <laughs> do not care. No. No, they will actually be happy. They're like, yo, we will Bye. fold this robe and... <laughs> clean your room and then we'll be all set <laughs> you burned our tree but we'll take care of your clothes <laughs> and speaking of luke luke cuts himself off from the force mm-hmm. ray says that she saw nothing from him which is super duper cool we've seen this in some other expanded content like with ahsoka and kanan and even grogu but this is the first time we've really heard of someone cutting themselves off from the force so so cool Deeply. How he didn't really... know Han was dead was devastating. When he said, where's oh, Han? Yeah. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for making me remember that from Force Awakens. That's great. I wish they hadn't cut the deleted scene that has Luke just take a moment alone to grieve. Uh, I think yeah. we did need that. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, and then the last bit of force force knowledge that we get, or we assume we have, are those original Jedi texts from over a thousand generations ago. First of all, I mean, do trees really have, are they really good at preserving paper like that well? <laughs> I hope I they mean, have insurance. That's all I got to yeah, say. I mean, when how careful was Ray when she took those books? Um, I think this might actually be the first time we've seen an actual physical book in Star Wars as well. Yeah, yeah. So. it's not a data pad, so Outside that is a sense. The, the other books, yes. <laughs> the Chiss have books, guys. Yeah, the Chiss have books, but we haven't actually seen Me. them yet. No. no. Um, I mean, I love this idea that the Jedi had this ancient written knowledge that they were starting to pass down and that they preserved it for this long, even if, you know, page turners, they are not. <laughs> Yoda. He got really smart when he died, guys. <laughs> yeah. All right. Now moving on, Sarah, I think you had a couple questions. Yeah, I've just got one really big one. Um, I don't know how you all felt like or how you felt about this, but what was it like for you when you saw Luke just toss his lightsaber behind him and sulk away to go home? He yeeted that shit right behind him. <laughs> I loved it. I full on cackled in the theater when he did oh my god from the the first movie people were sitting there like like oh my gosh he sees the lightsaber this is his saber it's his dad's saber oh my god this is gonna be a momentous moment and then luke's like nah i don't have time for this he chucks it i i think that in this moment ray standing there reminds him of a young him yeah like this idealistic Mm -hmm. person holding out the lightsaber this call to action call to adventure and he's like nope mm-mm. been down this road yep i played that already i know how to beat it and i'm i'm just done now i loved it love love loved it i remember just like my jaw dropping i was stunned and speechless it's just like whoa wait 
what the fuck just happened? But yeah, this is the first indicator to me as I'm watching the movie that this is going to take my expectations of what Star Wars is or what it can be. It's going to throw them out the window, watch them fall and crash down on the street. And then ultimately give me something that I never could have even dreamed of mm-hmm. that I never could have thought of or expected. So I was pretty shocked when that happened. I was not expecting that at all. I don't think I had like any strong emotion. I was just like, Oh wow. What? Um, though after we see kind of where his emotions are and where his, his head's at um, I think, I kind of like it more now because I'm like, yeah, of course, in that moment, he'd be like, no, get this away from me. Um, In the moment, I was just kind of like, okay, we'll see where this goes. But yeah, now now I I like it. It's like the X-Wing. He sank it. He didn't destroy it. So Mm -hmm. some part of him is still in there wanting the choice to go back if he has to. But he wants to make it. Don't hand yeah, it to him. Yeah, he wants to make it. Sarah, what did you think about this? That you posed this question. Yeah. Now I'm very curious. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm of two minds for it. On the one hand, I really love it because I think it's one way for Luke to say, don't take it so seriously because I'm not going to anymore. And it also really fit in my mind of like Luke, just this whiny kid who never gets his way. And this is just one more thing that he doesn't want to deal with. And so, of course, he's going to throw a temper tantrum. And that kind of fit into the Luke that I'm not crazy about, but have come to expect at times. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, I've listened to other people talk about canon Luke with such reverence and respect I don't know that Luke. So like the Luke that I see makes a lot of sense to me. But what I hear about this other Luke, I'm almost offended on his behalf as to what happened to Luke. Yeah, Legends Luke is pretty pristine. I mean, he he has some dark side moments, but for the most part, he's most badass out there. Yeah. Yeah, so I just I feel a sense of loss for Luke in this moment. And that that makes me feel an icky kind of way. I feel bad for the people who read and invested in Legends so much and right. then had that Luke in their head for yeah. so long. Right. And then saw this Luke and were like, what? Because I didn't read Legends until after. So both Luke's exist in my head basically concurrently. Mm. And I can accept both of them, but I feel bad for Legends people. I could be wrong, but I think I had read that like Mark Hamill was really disgusted with what had happened to Luke. He was very confused and upset. And then eventually he came around and was like, okay, well, this version of Luke, it makes sense. But he still was like, but Legends Luke, though. (laughs) Yeah. I could have to be married. Could have done that. Yeah, exactly. He could have had Mar Jade. (laughs) come on people by the way give us Mara Jade cowards right oh my goodness well I do have a question for y'all where did where did everyone think episode 9 was going to go in terms of villain after seeing this movie because I left the theater thinking okay they killed Snoke like we thought he was the big bad in my mind Kylo was going to be the big bad of episode 9 like that was going to be it Mm -hmm. Um, so what did y'all think yeah after Snoke got wrecked completely 
Yeah. I thought Kylo would be the big bad, but like Hux standing behind him with a knife ready to stab yeah. him in the back. I wanted to see the back and forth between them, like kind of the struggle that these two young men would have trying to maintain hold mm-hmm. on the First Order. You would think Hux would actually have the advantage because the men follow him. Right. He's the general. Kylo's just this like weird emo kid who shows up and has <laughs> force abilities. And they're like, oh, we follow you now? I'm confused because the general's right there. Yeah. That could have been really cool. And the actors work really well together. <laughs> yes, they have a great chemistry together. The power struggle would have been cool. And if that is what brought down the First Order was a power struggle that they killed themselves, I would have loved to have seen that also. Where's Race Long? I want, yeah. I want my girl. <laughs> if she had come out and actually been like in charge of the First Order after Snoke died, she was like, well, the Force users failed again. It's time to take back over. I would have been here for that. Yeah, that would have been cool. Yeah, I definitely thought that they were going to go with Kylo. And then I think in my mind, Episode Nine was going to be the ultimate qu- question, you know, was Kylo going to be redeemed? Mm-hmm. Was he? Was he going to even try? Was Ray going to be able to reach him? Because at the end of this movie, you really don't know. He could go either way. Did you guys want Kylo to be redeemed? Yes. I love a redemption arc, you guys. Yeah. I, yeah. Honestly. I am a basic redemption arc bitch. Give it honestly, to me. Honestly, <laughs> I didn't want to see a redemption arc. I wanted to see something different. I wanted to see... Kylo just full on embrace the darkness and Ray try so hard and realize that you, you can't, can't save everyone. You can't everyone. save everyone. Yeah. Yeah. I, because I, I love more. the fact that like Vader gets redeemed. I love that Anakin gets to rejoin the force and has this moment, but he did unforgivable things and did he really deserve it? And so to forgive another mass murderer, um, I, I think would have it was a little too much for me so i wanted him not to because the Mm. way they left him in this movie i was like oh he's a villain yeah sarah you said we talk more about my thoughts why do you want it (laughs) well i just i really wanted him to be redeemed because i could sense that conflict in him and i believed in his goodness yeah i just i really had thought that he made his choice in that throne room right then and there that he was like, nope, this is it. I can take it now. It's it's mine for the taking. And when like him and Ray had that struggle, I I was full on sold on the idea that he had he had chosen his path. He broke down. Um, yeah, completely. I want. Yeah. I really. I only wanted to be redeemed for Leia's sake. Like I don't really care about him. Yeah. Yeah, we'll talk about that. I'm sure for the next pod about. Oh yeah. Leia and what was supposed to be for that movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. I can see that redemption arc for Kylo happening because driven by his mother which would be different than a lot of redemption arcs like it's not usually a parent that makes somebody go on a redemption arc so that would have been really cool to just have his connection with his mother be so central to his life that yeah her sacrificing herself would bring him back no, I'm sad. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that I'm is where we're going. Myself. I think that is where we are going to lead the main discussion for today. So let's move on into recommendations. Colleen. Mm-hmm. Okay. I've recommended this once before, but please read it again. Leia, Princess of Alderaan by Claudia Gray. This gives the holdo content. 
all of like the young Luna Lovegood Holdo content. Leia and her have been friends since they were 16. Like it gives so much more weight to Adeline Holdo's arc in this movie, knowing that they've been together that long. And then next we have, I haven't read this one. It's on my list, my very long Star Wars book list. It's set during The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi, Canto Bite. This is a novella collection that centers around the casino city. And there's just not a lot of content during this time still. They still don't have a ton of canon content yet. So this would be a good one to get jump into if you're interested in the Canto Bite sequence of this movie, which we don't necessarily enjoy, but the novellas probably flesh it out more and give us more of that kind of capitalism take on Star Wars, which is cool. And then of course, this is my kind of out of the box choice. I enjoy a sequel that like breaks the mold of the first installment, ups the ante, changes the game, flips mm-hmm. everything. So this week I'm recommending the Mad Adam trilogy by Margaret Atwood. It's science fiction. I'm sorry, Margaret. It is science fiction. <laughs> she's going to kill us all for me saying that. Come for the Walmart dystopian nightmare of book one, which is Orcs and Crake, but then stay for the sequel, which has hyper intelligent pigs that will definitely kill you. Oh, man. And that book is called The Year of the Flood. And then book three gets even crazier. Hmm. It's a great trilogy. It has a wonderful payoff. Lots of great characters. Lots of strong female characters so if you're in the market for that kind of story check out mad adam trilogy cool um so for all my gamers out there the the thing i'm going to suggest is gears of war 5 so it feels very uh, spiritually similar to last jedi it's the follow-up uh so it's the second in a new trilogy the it follows a like a first entry that was kind of safe and played off a lot of the tropes of the old trilogy uh so the second entry is also from a new studio. It's got a darker studio, uh, a darker story tone. Excuse me. It's got a little bit of controversial, controversial story decisions. Um, and then there's a section that's in like a red sandy desert. So that's cool. Um, yeah. So it, it feels very spiritually similar, to, similar to Last Jedi. Um, and then this has nothing to do with like fantasy or sci-fi at all. But I've been listening to a lot of Lucy Dacus lately, and she's got a really great voice. She's a great singer. Um, she has a single called "Hot and Heavy," and it's really good. So everyone should listen to her. <laughs> <laughs> I love a music. Yeah. Music rec. Is that our first music rec so far? I think, I think it is. Might be. Now I'm gonna have to think about that, Daniel. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. The video is really good. Everyone should watch it. <laughs> right. For me, as always, the novelization of the movie, in this case, it's by Jason Fry. Some incredible details, specifically about the supremacy, uh, and also some extra scenes, including some more interactions with the caretakers, um, including that uh, third lesson that Luke says he's going to teach Ray. If you notice, he says he's going to teach her three, but he only actually does two in the movie. (laughs) The the third one's in the book. (laughs) And then... If you are a fan of a grumpy old former hero coming out of retirement to teach a new up-and-comer, I'm going to recommend that you check out Batman Beyond. This is the yes. animated this is the animated series set in a future Gotham where a retired Bruce Wayne has has to train a new generation's Batman, the teenager Terry McGinnis. Warner Brothers, stop telling us how Thomas and Martha Wayne got shot in an alley and just give <laughs> us a Batman Beyond movie, you freaking cowards. Yes. <laughs> 
also if you were a fan of a Bruce Wayne. <laughs> <laughs> also if you were a fan of a grumpy old hero who has to deal with the consequences of his former actions definitely check it, check out Batman Under the Red Hood where Batman mm-hmm. has to deal with his past failures in a very brutal way mm-hmm. um similarly check out the death in the family arc both in the comics and actually uh it's on hbo max right now well my recommendation is an absolutely incredible show on amazon prime video and it's called invincible it is about a superhero and he's this young teenage boy who's coming into his own it really subverts some of your expectations um definitely give when i was watching episode one you're you're gonna get hooked in episode one but i remember thinking watching through the first maybe 30 minutes of episode one thinking okay this is pretty standard i know what i'm supposed to be expecting here and then all of a sudden buckle up buckaroo i won't spoil (laughs) anything except to say like give the full episode your entire attention because you are in for a treat i will say though graphic spoiler warnings yeah 18 plus and they do mean it um, for some violence that happens throughout the series so like watch out for that I've had Mm -hmm. to look away during several things and my husband Mm -hmm. has had to like narrate to me what is Mm -hmm. going on (laughs) that's fair cartoon violence for some reason gets to me way more yeah oh it's it's graphic It's so graphic. Stephen Young, I, though, give it, yeah. give me all the Stephen Young. Yes, please. I, I co-sign this. Invincible's fantastic. Also, I have to say, J.K. Simmons, an amazing mm. voice actor. I yes. love when he shows up. Oh, so he's Tenzin, and then he's this. He's Tenzin, <laughs> and he's Omni Man. Um, also, I just love that in episode one. Uh, the main character's little high school gay friend talks about how hot yes. Omni-Man is. And I'm like, I felt that. I felt that on a personal level. Yep. I love his gay friend so much. <laughs> yeah, William's the best. Everyone should watch Invincible. Sarah, I'm yeah. so glad you brought this up. Well, I mean, it's the only show that's literally made me scream out loud and oh. like several different times. It's just, it gets you. It really gets you. So there we go. But Colleen, I I think that's it. So do you want to take us away to Mm. our outro? I shall. I shall take us out of this wonderful podcast. So thank you all for joining us today. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at YASWpod. Subscribe to us wherever you can get your podcast. Stitcher, Spotify, Apple. Hit the subscribe button real hard. Check out all of the offerings in the Forgotten Entertainment family at ForgottenEntertainment.com. You can also find Anders, Sarah, and I, plus Flo, who you've met before, on Bohemian Geek Studies podcast, where we're currently diving into Star Wars Rebels. You can also find my Star Wars book reviews on BohemianGeekStudies.com, still an NGO. Yes, it's 19 books. There's going to be a lot of reviews. Tune in again (laughs) next time when Sarah, she coming back, y'all. She going to be back. Woo! When we apparently call it a Wayfinder instead of just calling it a freaking Holocron. Boo. I'm Where already calling Ron. It's even oh, already like booing this movie. Boo. <laughs> Just call it Hulk Ron. Where we will be very cordially discussing with no sort of upset whatsoever. Episode nine, The Rise of Skywalker. Thanks, y'all. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Bye.